Hello, and welcome to the Braun Body Podcast. My name is Dan Braun. I'm a certified personal trainer, a graduate physical therapy student at Lebanon Valley College, and I'm the founder of Braun Body Training Holistics. In this episode of the Braun Body Podcast, we're going to talk about how you can biohack your immune system to try and protect against COVID-19. In this episode, we're going to start by reviewing what a virus is and how a virus exerts its harmful impact on our body. We're then going to talk about our body's reaction to the virus, so our immune response. Afterwards, we're going to dive into some different nutritional and lifestyle biohacks that you can use to protect yourself against COVID-19. So COVID-19 is a type of virus, and a virus specifically is a packaged set of genes, not a cell. So it's not a living organism. This is different than some other infections that we might see, such as bacterial infections like strep throat. Bacteria are living organisms. A virus is not. It's just this matter of genetic information floating around, um, in this case, in um, droplets. And the virus functions to hijack a host cell in order to reproduce itself. So when it enters the body, it binds to receptors on our cells and uses our cells to reproduce itself. Um, So when I was in my general biology class in undergraduate, we compared a virus to a pirate. It kind of comes in and takes over, so to speak. It takes over your own ship. Um, So viruses can impact our bodies by producing toxins in some cases. And in most cases, they cause cell breakdown. So when they hijack our cells, to reproduce themselves, it damages or destroys our cells. So we lose healthy cells while the virus grows and continues to uh, divide. And that creates a problem because the virus can spread itself pretty easily. um, And viruses are also very worrisome because they can mutate very frequently and rapidly. And we've seen that with this COVID-19 virus. Um, It's already mutated at least once that we know of. Um, One thing to keep in mind, historically, we've encountered tons of viral pandemics before. Zika virus, Ebola, HIV, swine flu, influenza, um, SARS, West Nile, just to name a few. Um, So this is not something humanity is new to. Um, It's just been a while since we've had something to this magnitude where we're quarantining people in their homes. So now that we've set the stage for what a virus is, let's talk about our body's response to the virus. So this is primarily a function of our immune system. So immunity is the body's defense against antigens. And an antigen is just referring to anything that is non-self. So whether it's a virus, a bacteria, whatever we put in our body, that is not us. Um, So primarily, 
when we talk about the immune system, we're referring to bone marrow and we're referring to the thymus. However, other organs such as the spleen, lymph nodes, the GI tract, and uh, bronchial mucosa also can act as uh, immune organs. So essentially what happens, just to set some stage, set the stage a little bit about the immune system. So bone marrow stem cells travel to the thymus to become T lymphocytes, which is the majority of our lymphocytes, so our immune cells. Others remain in bone marrow and become B lymphocytes. So we have these two type of immune cells, T lymphocytes and B lymphocytes and they correspond with the primary organs in our immune system. So we said primarily we have T lymphocytes, and these are important because they give us the ability to recognize antigens. So in this case, if we had the COVID-19 virus in our body, the T lymphocytes would be the cells that recognize, hey, you have something going on here, it's not right, here's what's going on. Um, there's also three different types of T cells. So there's T helper cells, which help um, the B lymphocytes. There's T suppressor cells, which these are your killer cells. So once we recognize something as an antigen, a T suppressor cell is going to wipe it out. We then have T memory cells, which function as long-term recognition of antigens. So if we're exposed to something like a strep throat infection when we're five, six, seven, when we're young kids, our body remembers the bacteria that caused that. And if that same bacteria comes into our body again, our body will recognize it and then kill it. Um, it's just a function of long-term and acquired immunity. So we talked about the T lymphocytes, now onto the B lymphocytes. So B lymphocytes um, differentiate into immunoglobulin-producing plasma cells. That's a mouthful. Um, essentially, they produce antibodies to help fight antigens. So they're just kind of rallying the troops to help the T suppressor cells kill whatever thing is in our cell, or in ourself, I'm sorry. Um, then the five phases of the immune response. So virus enters our body, now what? We're gonna start with a recognition phase. So we need to recognize the antigen first. We then enter an amplification phase. So this is where we kind of go on our little draft, so to speak, and build our army. We produce more T and B lymphocytes, um, more cellular soldiers to fight and kill the virus or bacteria or whatever is in our body. That takes us into the effector phase, which is where our body kills the antigen. So we've figured out what it is, it shouldn't be there. We built the army. Now we're wiping the thing out. We then step into stage four, which is the termination phase. After the antigen is killed, we uh, slowly taper off our immune response. 
because we don't need to have our full army ready to go all the time when we're perfectly healthy. We then go into a memory phase where we build long life T and B lymphocytes uh, to, like I said, remember that antigen that caused the disease and inf or infection that we just beat. So next we're gonna dive into a select group of nutritional superfoods that function primarily as antimicrobial agents in the body. Meaning these foods, when you eat them, support your immune system's role of preventing bacteria, virus, fungus, whatever, from exerting harmful effects on your health. Specifically, we're going to look at raw honey, organic raw apple cider vinegar with the mother, organic cacao, peppermint tea, turmeric, and fresh ginger. I do want to preface this with two quick notes. First, I am not a physician or a doctor, so I do want to make sure you know to consult your primary care provider before making any changes to your health and uh, dietary lifestyle. And second, because COVID-19 is a new virus, we don't have any studies that show the effects of the foods that I'm going to talk about against COVID-19 yet. I'm drawing from a lot of other well-known research, and the reason this podcast wasn't published sooner is because I've been digging through research articles like mad, trying to make sure I have the best sources to provide for you. So the first superfood we're going to talk about is raw honey. And raw honey, um, specifically local honey, so if you can get it from a honey farm near you or some grocery stores even carry local raw honey, um, this is something I consume on a daily basis. I love to put this stuff in Greek yogurt, add a few chia seeds on it, maybe a little granola, mix it up real good. It's also really good in smoothies or cereal, um, if you're a cereal eater, um, lots of different things like that. So raw honey has been found to demonstrate a series of actions such as antifungal, antimicrobial, antiviral, that's the key one for us right now, antiviral, anti-inflammatory, hepatoprotective, anti-cancer immunostimulating, and local analgesic, excuse me, um, effects on the body. And its magnitude in doing some of these things, such as the anti-inflammatory, has been compared to non-steroidal anti-inflammatory drugs. So NSAID over-the-counter type medications, such as naproxen. And if you're interested in reading more about this from a study, the study I'm referencing is called Bee Pollen, Chemical Composition, and Therapeutic Application. Evidence-Based Complementary and Alternative Medicine is the journal, and this was published in 2015, and the primary author was Komosinska Vasev. Um, 
quite a last name. Um, and additionally, we've found that the exact mechanisms of action for honey, royal jelly, um, the different components of raw honey um, have not been fully understood. So we're still studying this, and these studies are very recent, 2015, 2017, that I'm referencing. So this is a new area of research, and more and more is coming out each year. Um, but we don't have a firm mechanism for how this works yet. It just seems to do it. Um, the proposed mechanism for some of the antimicrobial effects that I touched on um, currently is that honey is going to coat the inner lining of your throat and because you're ingesting microbes through your respiratory tract or through your mouth, uh, the honey is going to destroy harmful microbes while they're entering your body and it's also going to soothe your throat. So there's different raw honey sprays that you can get through your, uh, for your mouth. And I know a lot of people have been buying them up right now because they really soothe a sore throat. Um, there's also research that looks at honey as a um, cough suppressor. And this study found that honey is superior to other treatments such as those that you would get um, pharmaceutically for cough-induced upper respiratory infections, um, stuff like that. And the other pharmaceuticals they compared the raw honey to in this study were dextromethorphan and diphenhydramine. Um, excuse my pronunciation on those. And that study that I just referenced was called Honey, Propolis, and Royal Jelly, a comprehensive review of their biological actions and health benefits. And that was published in the Journal of Oxidative Medicine and Cellular Longevity from 2017. Um, they also had a great chart that highlighted the biological benefits of honey. So I touched on antibacterial, anti-cancer, antioxidant, anti-inflammatory, and antiviral already. But honey has also been found to be anti-diabetic. Uh, it's supposed to, it also helps facilitate wound healing. It is cardioprotective and it is gastroprotective as well. So there's a lot of proposed benefits to consuming raw honey on a daily basis as a result of these studies. Oh, and uh, the authors for that one, um, primary author was uh, Palzu Paletti, P-A-S-U-P-U-L-E-T-I. And again, I'm providing these for you and I will link to all of these articles that I reference in my notes on my blog so you can dive deeper into this information if you so choose. So next we're going to dive into organic raw apple cider vinegar with the mother. Um, and the reason I say with the mother is the mother is that cloudy murky substance you see um, in the vinegar in this case. And that's really what contains all the health benefits in this case. It's got a lot of beneficial enzymes to the body. And so far, 
A lot of the research we have is focusing on antibacterial and antifungal effects of organic raw apple cider vinegar with the mother. And all of that looks very good right now. There's still more research needed to confirm its action as an antiviral agent. The reason I'm still bringing this up is because of its antibacterial and antifungal properties. So if you were unfortunate enough to be diagnosed or get the COVID-19 virus, when you get one virus, um, one infection, there's always a risk of what would happen if you got a second infection. Um, so for ex example, when I was a kid, I was diagnosed with hand, foot, and mouth virus, uh, Coxsackie virus, and strep throat at the same time. So I missed like a week, week and a half of pre-K because I had two things. Um, so getting the COVID-19 virus alone is bad enough. Now, I can't imagine what it would be like if you threw a whole nother infection on top of that. So we're trying to do what we can to prevent that from happening. Um, and the study I'm referencing here, um, main author is Judy Gopal. I can actually pronounce that one. Um, and this study was called Authenticating Apple Cider Vinegar's Home Remedy Claims, Antibacterial, Antifungal, Antiviral Properties, and Cytoxidy Aspect. And this was published in 2017. So next, we're going to dive into organic cacao. And the study I'm referencing here, uh, the primary author was Kami, uh, was his last name. And this was published in 2016. It was published in the Journal of uh, Science and Food Agricultural. And it was called Anti-Influenza Virus Effects of Cocoa. Um, so the reason I say organic cacao specifically is organic cacao is the more natural form of cocoa. Cocoa undergoes more processing, which could potentially strip some of the uh, health benefits that we're looking for from it. And this study concluded that drinking cocoa, so again, we're saying organic cacao for the um, purposes that we're looking for, activates natural immunity and enhances vaccination-induced immune response, providing stronger protection against influenza virus infection and disease onset. So in this case, they were finding that drinking um, cocoa, cacao, is something that's going to help facilitate your immune response to the flu virus. So by doing that, your body is in a better shape to fight the flu virus. So if we go back to our little soldier example from before, um, when we were talking about the immune system and how it fights off these antigens, um, this is like adding like a hundred more tanks and a thousand more soldiers to your little battlefield that's going on between your body and the virus that comes in. So next we're going to dive into peppermint tea. Um, and 
Personally, I love to drink hot tea, and it's something that I try and do at least one cup a day of some type of tea. So far, the studies on peppermint tea specifically are really fascinating to me. So the first study here, um, this one's by Lee as the primary author, L.I., published in 2017. This one's called In Vitro, uh, vitro Antiviral, Anti-Inflammatory, and Antioxidant Activities of the Ethanol Extract of Methna Pepertia, or pep- Peperita, I'm sorry. Um, and basically, that's the scientific term for peppermint. Um, and this was published in the Journal of Food Science and Biotechnology. So this study found that peppermint tea contains high levels of phenolic acid and flavonoid or flavonoid. And these are two really potent beneficial antioxidants. And specifically, they showed antiviral activity against RSV, which is the respiratory uh, syncytial, sorry, I can't talk today, virus, um, which presents cold-like symptoms um, when you have it. Um, It's really characterized by a lot of wheezing as well. Um, And it also decreases the production of inflammatory biomarkers. So specifically, um, TNF-alpha, interleukin-6, and PGE-2. I'm not going to get into them specifically. Just know that they're uh, things that we use to measure inflammation levels. And because of consuming peppermint tea, the levels of those inflammation markers are decreased, meaning we have less inflammation in the body. So this is kind of like consuming some type of anti-inflammatory drug Um, but you're likely not going to see the uh, health consequences that can be associated with long-term non-steroidal anti-inflammatory drug use. Additionally, uh, another study, um, this one's by McKay and Blumberg from 2006, and this one's called A Review of the Bioactivity and Potential Health Benefits of Peppermint Tea. Uh, This study concluded that peppermint has significant antimicrobial and antiviral activity, strong antioxidant and anti-tumor action, and some anti-allergenetic potential, meaning it can help suppress your allergies if you suffer from allergies like I do. Um, And again, the reason I'm bringing all of these things up is because they've been found to exhibit strong antiviral activities. And right now, when we're looking at COVID-19 and the crisis that our country is in as a result of it, we personally should be doing everything we can to optimize our own health to better our chances against this virus. And next, we're going to talk about turmeric. So... Turmeric is tied with another substance called curcumin or cumin, um, which is 
one of the components of turmeric. Uh, turmeric is often used in uh, different Asian culinary dishes. So you could think Thai foods, for example. Um, but you can also get this as a tea. Um, I drink it in a organic ginger turmeric tea. Um, I try to do this every day. I'll see if I can link to some different types of this that you can get online in my notes that I'll post on my blog. Um, but you could also consume it in capsule form, like just little supplement capsules or whatever works best for you. Um, there's also straight powders that you can get, throw it in a smoothie, mix it in with uh, some almond milk or coconut milk and make kind of a golden milk type drink, so to speak. Um, but this first study, um, this was published in 2019, and the main author was uh, Praditya, and this one was called Anti-Infective Properties of the Golden Spice Curcumin, Front, and this was published in the Frontiers in Microbiology Journal. And this study found that curcumin's antiviral and antibacterial activities were shown to act against a variety of pathogens that we've been exposed to, specifically influenza, hepatitis C, HIV, as well as staph infection, streptococcus, so strep throat, and uh, pseudomonas. So this stuff has proven effective against a variety of viruses and bacteria that we're already known to encounter. Additionally, another study, and this one's from 2014, and it's called A Review on Antibacterial, Antiviral, and Antifungal Activity of Curcumin. And this was published in Biomed Research International. Um, I'm not even going to attempt to pronounce the author's name because this is, it's a mouthful. Um, but essentially this study continued to look at curcumin and its effect against different viruses. And it's found to have a wide range of antiviral activities against a wide range of viruses. And some of the ones they mentioned specifically in this study were herpes simplex virus and RSV again. So that respiratory virus that we talked about with peppermint tea is coming back here. So the last superfood that I want to touch on real quick is fresh ginger. And it's important uh, based on the studies that it's fresh ginger and not dried ginger. Um, so the first study I want to bring up is from Chang, and this was published in 2013, and it's called Fresh Ginger Has Antiviral Activity Against Human Respiratory Syncytial Virus in Human Respiratory Tract Cell Lines. And basically what this study found is that fresh ginger is effective at preventing the HRV virus that or HRS virus that we talked about earlier with peppermint tea and turmeric from um, attaching to the cells in the respiratory tract. 
So think of ginger as creating like a ozone layer or a wall, some type of protective barrier between your vulnerable cells and the invading virus that's entered your body. So this can be very beneficial, obviously, because if the virus can't attach to your body, then it can't hurt you. It can't harm you whatsoever. Um, so, you know, they say the best offense starts with a good defense, and this would be your good defense in your body. Um, I also want to bring up Dr. Chris Kasser. Kasser. Um, he's a huge functional medicine doctor, um, recently talked about the benefits of ginger in one of his own podcasts, and he mentioned using fresh ginger juice, so taking about a pound of fresh ginger and juicing it and mixing that with some of the other compounds um, that I've touched on, such as the turmeric, and then pouring hot water over top of it. So it's kind of a other additional way to make that ginger turmeric tea that I talked about earlier. Um, and I'll link to that episode that he did as well about ginger, um, because that's another, again, the more you know, the better prepared you're going to be to optimize your health and wellness against whatever we're talking about, whether it's COVID-19 or, you know, whatever virus we see in the future. Um, and then additionally, uh, last study I want to bring up um, for the superfood side of things comes from uh, Sahu is the last name. This was published in 2016. It was called the Identification of Suitable Natural Inhibitor against influenza A, so H1N1, um, that might sound like a familiar term. Um, and this study found that the active components or compounds in ginger um, have been found to, be, to act as anti-influenza cytokines. So in this case, they're saying ginger prevents the flu. Um, and they also touched on uh, turmeric and curcumin again in this study and concluded that it was a potent antiviral agent. So a lot of this research that I'm presenting to you overlaps here. This study found this and this other study proved this and that. Um, so again, I like to reference multiple studies and some of these were review studies, like I said, that looked at 50, 60 other studies and drew conclusions based on them. So I like to present as much information as I can to make sure we're getting the most factual evidence-based information that we have. And that's going to conclude what we have on nutritional superfoods. So now we're going to dive into lifestyle factors that impact our immune system. And last, we're going to dive into some lifestyle factors. So we'll touch on hygiene, sleep, heat and cold exposure, stress, and exercise. So hygiene, wash your hands. You should have been doing this 
already throughout your entire life. But basically, if you have bacteria or a virus on your hands and you clean your hands, so you kill the bacteria or virus or get it off, then it's not going to enter your body and therefore it's not going to harm you. So wash your hands, stay clean, take care of yourself. Next is sleep. So um, studies found that sleep and the circadian rhythm, circadian system, uh, exert strong influence on immune function. And sleep is very important in developing that immune system memory. Uh, and those findings came from the article Sleep and Immune Function in uh, 2012, published in the European Journal of Physiology. Um, and again, I'm not going to attempt this one's uh, last name, so just check the show notes. But essentially what this is saying is that if you are lacking sleep and normal circadian rhythm, your immune system could potentially be impaired and your immune system is not going to develop as good of an immunological memory. Meaning that, you know, say you get the flu five years ago. If you're sleep deprived, you're more susceptible to get the flu again in the future because your body hasn't built up enough of those memory stores um, like we talked about earlier with the T-cells. Um, additionally, some information from the Mayo Clinic um, reported that, these, that people who do not get quality sleep or enough sleep, um, or I'll take that a step further, enough quality sleep, are more likely to get sick after being exposed to a virus. So flipping that, if you get enough quality sleep, then you're less likely to get sick after being exposed to a virus. Lack of sleep can impact how fast you recover if you do get sick. So you know how they say, well, if you get sick, rest, take it easy, really focus on getting good night's sleep. Well, there's something behind that. Um, if you're sleeping well, you can recover and bounce back from getting sick faster. And long-term sleep deprivation increases your risk for a variety of other chronic pathologies, diabetes, cardiovascular disease, obesity, a lot of bad things that we don't want in our life if we can avoid it. So next I wanted to talk about hot and cold because you might have seen videos of people either sitting in 200 degree saunas or diving into ice baths or whatever on YouTube, Instagram, and I wanted to touch on why people might be doing that. So the first study, the author was Evans and the article was Fever and the Thermal Regulation of Immunity. The immune system feels the heat, um, and this was published in 2015. And this study found that hot temperatures boost the probability of an effective immune response by stimulating innate and adaptive mechanisms of the immune system. So basically, when your body temperature heats up, 
your immune system feels it and it starts to work harder. Um, so this is why when you get sick, you get a fever. Um, and this is an important concept that we're going to come back to when we talk about exercise. Um, additionally, another uh, study here from the Mayo Clinic, and this one was called Cardiovascular and Other Health Benefits of Sauna Bathing, a review of the evidence. Um, this study concluded that there's evidence that sauna exposure can boost the immune system, which may explain why sauna baths reduce the susceptibility to common colds and preventing infections in healthy individuals. So in this sense, if you're a healthy individual, there's research that shows daily sauna practice will reduce your risk of picking up a common cold, which is a viral type pathology. Um, and again, I wanted to touch on the cold a little bit too here. Um, cold is a little less studied than the heat from what I saw, but um, there's a really good study I found from Jansky, 1996 was the year it was published. And this one's called Immune System of Cold Exposed and Cold Adapted Humans. And this article uh, concluded that stress-inducing non-infectious stimuli, such as cold water immersions, um, will increase your metabolic rate due to shivering and elevations in your catecholamine levels. Um, your catecholamines are epinephrine and norepinephrine, and they cause things like increased heart rate, um, and activation of your fight-or-flight response. So in this case, we have shivering. Um, this response activated the immune system to a slight extent. So there's, they acknowledge that there's more research that needs to be done, but there is evidence that diving into a cold water tub could potentially activate your immune system, which in this case, when we're talking about optimizing our body to fight against a virus, we want that immune system activation. So next, we're going to talk about stress management. Um, so stress is something that a lot of people are feeling right now. And if you don't believe me, uh, go to your nearest grocery store when they're open and just watch for 10 minutes. Watch people panic and frantically, you know, hoard rolls of toilet paper and crazy stuff like that. Um, if you're listening and you have a stock of 200 rolls of toilet paper in your house, um, my apologies. Um, but basically, stressors with the um, temporal parameters of fight or flight situations. So if you think ancestrally, if we were being hunted by a saber-toothed tiger and we had to get away from that saber-toothed tiger, um, this is the kind of situation we're talking about with fight or flight. Those situations elicited potentially beneficial changes in the immune system. However, the more your stressor deviates from those acute parameters and becomes a chronic issue, so if you have chronic stress, 
um, this is going to impact the immune system in a detrimental way. And there's tons of research about stress and pretty much every health parameter you can think of. Um, but I pulled these findings from Seegerstrom or Seegerstrom and Miller. Uh, this was a 2004 study called Psychological Stress and the Human Immune System, a meta-analytic study of 30 years of inquiry. They cited over 300 articles in this study. So I looked at this one being the gold standard for stress and immune system studies. Um, so again, it's okay to feel a little stress at times. It's normal, it's natural, it happens. But if you have chronic stressors in your life, then it could be detrimental to your immune system. Now, how you might go about dealing with those chronic stressors, um, you could look into yoga, mindfulness, meditation, exercise, um, anything that you can do to reduce your stress levels. So the first study I'm gonna reference uh, is from Neiman, 1994, and it was called Exercise, Upper Respiratory Tract Infection, and the Immune System. And this study found that moderate levels of exercise lower your risk of respiratory uh, infections when compared to no exercise or sedentary. So this would be something like taking a 30-minute walk every day. So since a lot of people are stuck at their home and are looking for something to do, why not get up and go for a walk? Now, I'm not saying that you should go for a walk with 30 of your closest friends or go for a walk and head into, you know, downtown city uh, area or whatever, but get up and go for a light walk um, with yourself or with someone else in your family or your dog in a area where you're not going to be surrounded by lots of other people because the point of doing a quarantine is to separate yourself from other people. Um, additionally, um, I've pulled some uh, findings from Medline, which is a government-run health website, and they've got evidence that supports physical activity in pulmonary drainage, meaning that exercise helps flush bacteria out of your lungs, your airways, places where they shouldn't be, which will reduce your risk of getting cold, flu, and a variety of other illnesses. So a big thing with this coronavirus is the fact that your cilia cells are attacked, meaning your cilia break down and you have reduced ability to clear stuff out of your lungs, which causes you to cough. Um, and the fact that exercise can help you get stuff out of your lungs is very important to note. And finally, uh, they also reported that the rise in body temperature during and immediately after exercise can prevent bacterial growth and the temperature rise helps the body to fight infection. So again, going back to what we talked about when we were talking about heat stimulus, um, that heat stimulus is kind of like a activator or a targeting system for your immune system. 
it helps your immune system do its job a little better. And again, that's why we see a fever uh, follow a bacterial or viral infection when we get sick. And with that, that's going to conclude our episode today. So just to recap, we talked about a variety of lifestyle factors and a variety of superfoods that you can use to biohack your immune system. And we put a special focus on the COVID-19 epidemic. So thank you for tuning in to my first episode of the Brawn Body Podcast. I'm looking forward to bringing you many more in the near future. If you have any questions or comments, please feel free to reach out to me. And I will be posting the show notes within the next day or two. So you'll have access to all the articles and all the information I talked about in more detail. Thanks for listening and stay healthy, everyone.